Welcome to the Pastors Podcast. This is Pastor Scott, and with me today are Pastors Reggie. Hello. Pastor Reggie and his wife, Nicole. Hello. Nicole Austin. You, I'm, you, you guys know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Such a pleasant to be with you guys and excited to um, just to get to dive in a little bit today. Today we're going to be talking about how to talk about race and ethnicity and identity with our children. I, I mean, this is just such a ubiquitous topic, right? This is a topic that is everywhere right now, and every organization, every company is talking about it, every uh, s school is talking about it. And I think for a lot of that reminds us, number one, of the importance of us instructing and raising up our kids, helping to give them a biblical worldview as they grow up in the world around us. And, and it also provides a unique opportunity to talk about these things, to talk about the, the nature of race, race and ethnicity. And, and, I, and I know that none of us have the perfect answers, right, Speak to that. Speak for yourself, Scott. <laughs> we know even, everything. I haven't even started yet. <laughs> just setting the bar. Just, <laughs> I'm just setting the bar. But I, I, wanted, I wanted to have this conversation with you for uh, a few different reasons, but particularly I think this is a unique topic not only as we share with ch our children about our own races and ethnicities, but it's especially unique for, with, for a biracial couple, right, when, which we have a lot in our church family as you're navigating that together. So, let me just ask this. We'll, we'll start out here. We'll ask ignorant questions. Is biracial the right term? It's funny. I think I actually think that biracial is the there's no way this is going to offend anybody term. Okay. But like and <laughs> maybe nothing, that's maybe that's why it came to my mind. Nothing wrong with it. But I like I remember. I mean, so much of this. So much of this is is what you grew up with, what you're used to, and yeah, things yeah. change and evolve over time. Like when I was a kid, uh, people used to say mixed. Like mm. you're a mixed kid, and there's even, t and I think that still holds somewhat to today. I don't think that that's offensive uh, anymore. I mean, th there's even a show on TV right now called Mixed-ish. Yeah, it's based off the show Blackish. Um, so someone being a mixed kid, like that, that still is a term. Um, but I think but there are some people who actually don't like that term. True. Like I think, I think to your point, biracial or multiracial or multiethnic is the best way to kind of describe it in a way that, to your point, won't offend. Anybody, yeah. you're, hopefully, you're, you're guaranteed to not offend anybody. I think if you say biracial. Well, I, I was, I mean, I, it was even interesting to me. I was thinking about biracial. Like biracial also assumes there's only two. Yeah, true, right? True. Like, and yeah. oftentimes there's all sorts of uh, ethnic, you know, makeup yeah. of each one of us. In, I mean, in most of us are mutts in some way. Yeah. By ourselves, forget about who we marry and who we then have children with. Totally, totally. So. So I, I think, um, I mean, maybe just start here. Do you guys talk about race and ethnicity with your kids? And in general, like, is that a regular conversation? Is that a, uh, you know, rare conversation? You know, what, 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 is that, what does that look like in your home? It's never come up. We've never discussed it. <laughs> well, I'm so glad about? I invited you. It's <laughs> <laughs> a huge mistake. We're such experts. No. Um, no, I mean, absolutely. And I, I think that it. It ends up being something that obviously comes up in our family more than it would come up in a family if the parents looked exactly the same and came from the same background. Um, 
But I also think it comes up because of our world and it comes mm -hmm. up because of the community in which we live where we have people of all different ethnicities. Um, but we definitely talk about, I think that one of the things that's, I've been thinking about a lot as all this has been happening with the things that have been going on in the world right now is that I have a lot of friends who are like, oh my gosh, we've got to talk to our kids about race. Mm. And sure, and if you never have, absolutely that's a conversation you want to have going. But the way that I keep thinking about it is I keep thinking about it in terms of like how you talk to your kids about sex. Because with sex, like it's not you have the one talk. One conversation. Yeah. And then that's it and we yeah. cover all the stuff and the end, yeah. right? It's more that you kind of gauge the age and the stage your kid is at. You talk to them about the things that make sense for a five-year-old or an eight-year-old or an 11-year-old, which happen to be the ages of our kids, in mm -hmm. a way that makes sense to them. And then you kind of let them know, like, hey, this is a topic we feel comfortable talking about. Mm -hmm. We're not squeamish about it. Mm -hmm. um, this is something that uh, we are knowledgeable about and we know things about, mm -hmm. and we can be a resource for you. And we're here whenever you want to talk about it and mm -hmm. kind of let that be sort of a ground, a, a baseline, and then go from there as things come up, either in the world that we want to talk to them about or if they experience something or see something or learn about something at school. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of how I've been thinking about it lately. And I think that it, it's, it's, I think that's a really good analogy. Uh, you want to be more, I feel like with, because comparing it to sex, like that, the second thing you want to be more proactive about because it's going to come and, and hit you. Uh, but the race thing, while you can be proactive with it as well, sometimes I feel like it is somewhat reactive only in the sense of um, your child will ask you a question or something will happen in the news or so, because, you know, that you sort of rely on that stimulus some of the time, which I, think, which I think kind of makes sense as opposed to for us being, you know, an interracial uh, couple, like to have, uh, well, kids, it's Thursday. It's time to talk about race. Like, that, you know, that, <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Not, that's not what we, we do in our family. But yeah, yeah. as things come up, we want to make sure that we are giving them uh, tools, way, you know, ways to see and understand uh, that are age appropriate. Um, and I, I think that, that Reg, Reg and I were laughing because we were talking about this the other day. And we were remembering that our, our oldest daughter is 11 now. And when she was, I don't know, how old was she like? <laughs> Wait, wait she was young. maybe five like, or yeah, six, six, and it was when she seven. was first starting to realize, like, wait, daddy's <laughs> skin is a different color than yours, mommy. Like, what's that all about? And I don't know. It was the first time we'd ever really kind of explained, like, what it meant that she was biracial. Mm -hmm. And that was great. And then Reg, I think, <laughs> was just, like, so excited that the topic was sort of, like, open <laughs> now. Been, yeah. that and I, I went down a rabbit hole. <laughs> like, she asked a super simple question, and I got into it it's like <laughs> he there's was slavery there's reconstruction there's segregation there's jim crow and i was going through it again six and i'm yeah, sitting there like old, and it was uh like, honey uh <laughs> like okay. those are good things talk about those but she's she, she's six like her, her eyes glazed over like minutes a little while ago yeah <laughs> and so and then afterwards we were like hey Reg is like i think i maybe went a little too far and i was like listen those are all good conversations for us to have with her but maybe not quite yet <laughs> and so i think that that's you know in terms of like when and how you talk to your kids i think that's just partly it's knowing your own kid partly it's just being cognizant of where they are and what they really need to know mm. at that point yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, how has that, I mean, for each of you, how have you talked to 
your kids are even sh- maybe shared with them your racial identity, your mm-hmm. ethnic identity, wh- whether that's black or Jamaican. I don't know like what that, uh, how that in- yeah. engages, or whether it's being Jewish. Like what what is that? Yeah, I don't know. What, what are some maybe snapshots of what that's looked like, kind of uh, beyond the first one at six? um yeah i think that it 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 kind of that's a perfect word is is snapshots because i think it's taking opportunities um somewhat regular opportunities as they come up to just throw out this little thing and i feel like uh, little things and they're they i feel like they they express themselves differently depending on the occasion because sometimes it's through food Mm -hmm. uh, and through what we eat sometimes it's through just even going through some sort of like family tree or something like this is your mom, this is a picture of your mom's mom, and he, she was born here, but in, and yeah. just going through things uh, in that way, uh, or just general conversations. Um, I think there's, <clears throat> I think the problem is there's so much richness and, and variety amidst all races that like to sort of distill black is difficult because mm-hmm. I don't want like, my kids have a certain heritage that will not be the same heritage of other black people that they know. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, like my, my family is predominantly Caribbean. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was born and raised in Jamaica. My dad uh, was born here, but his family's from Barbados. Uh, I've got cousins up the wazoo in, in, and family in Jamaica and Barbados. And just mm-hmm. like, for me, it's very, uh, very Caribbean, West Indian based um, uh, personal history and heritage mm-hmm. as opposed to, um, I know that John Moss, for example, his, I believe it was his grandfather, was a sharecropper. Mm-hmm. Like in the South, his family is, is from Mississippi. His, like I don't have, that's not my personal story. It's the black story. It's the story of African-Americans in general in this country, but mm-hmm. that's not my own specific one. So it's conveying to my k- kids both of those things, my specific heritage in terms of being Caribbean American, mm. as well as the larger mm-hmm. heritage of being what it is to be black in America, and I think both of those are important and valuable. Man, I, I I really appreciate that because I I appreciate the this the importance of conveying both, yeah, yeah. Right? And, and conveying how your even your your racial identity is made up of both mm-hmm. in, in a sense, mm-hmm. right? It's for it's sure. it, at least I'm I'm assuming that I don't want to project that. Yeah, no, yeah, no, no, but I think they, sure. they, they, there's like there's a your experience is contextualized in a larger story, mm-hmm. right? There, you're part, but it's also it's also individual, right? It's also uh, there's also individual and personal heritages that tell their own unique story within that that that, that broader story. Yeah, yeah. And I think Reg also a lot of the the some of the stuff that he's communicated to our kids about his heritage or or about blackness in America is actually also through music. Mm. So I think a lot of the music that Reg listens to and therefore plays for the kids and that they hear has some of that as well. Um, but again, so much of this is you're figuring out as you go. Like mm. I, you know, for Reg and I, it's bo- it's been important for us to communicate all of this to our kids in ways that make sense. And so, like the first Martin Luther King Day that the kids were old enough to really have any sense, I was like, we've got to do something. Mm. What do we do? And I'm like looking up on Pinterest and finding crafts. And so we did a, a craft. And then the next year, the kids were like what craft are we going to do for Martin Luther King Day this year? And I was like, <laughs> oh, no, oh, <laughs> this is now a tradition. And it's great. And it is. We, we do something every year. Uh-huh. And it is a way to talk about him and his legacy. And, and it's become a thing that we do 
but it kind of came about organically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then there's this like, you know, Juneteenth just happened mm-hmm. and everyone's like, and we've never celebrated. It's never been a thing that we've done as a family. For either of us. For either of us. Mm-hmm. And so suddenly we're like, oh, should we be doing this? What should we do? And and let's think about, is this something we're going to incorporate mm-hmm. um, where we didn't have something before? Yeah. Um, and then to answer the, the ac- yeah. your actual question <laughs> um, about kind of how the kids uh, – how I communicate to them my their Jewishness because mm-hmm. as their mother and I'm Jewish, they are Jewish. Mm-hmm. Um, especially as somebody who's a believer in Jesus, which adds sort of an extra wrinkle to it. Um, I want them to understand what being Jewish means to me, um, and 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 so therefore, to some extent, what it's going to mean to them. And to Reg's point, a lot of it is food based, <laughs> so. You know, we we definitely well, we we just left them eating lox and bagels right now, so that's <laughs> that's definitely a big part of something that that resonates for me. Um, but then also we do some Jewish holidays, and mm-hmm. so those are important. Passover, which has resonance for me on mm-hmm. you know as a Christian and as someone who's Jewish, mm-hmm. um, is something that we do and that's that the kids have come t- to you know cherish. Um, and we eat apples and honey on Rosh Hashanah, which is the Jewish New Year, and we light can't my grandmother's menorah on Hanukkah. Um, so we have a lot of traditions around being Jewish that I want them to to love and enjoy. Mm-hmm. Um, we haven't talked as much to them yet about kind of Jewish history. Mm. Yeah, um, I was going to ask. Yeah, what, we, haven't, like? we haven't really talked. I mean, they obviously know a lot about the Bible, and so they know yeah. about Jews in the Bible. But, like, I was actually thinking in, in terms of this, and, again, we're all kind of works in progress, totally. right? Yeah, yeah. Is that, you know, my oldest daughter is probably of the age where she could read the diary of Anne Frank. Mm-hmm. We haven't talked to them much about the Holocaust yet. It mm-hmm. is something I want them to know about and understand that it's a part of our family's history. I have family members that were in concentration camps and I, mm. I that's something that is a part of them too but that isn't something that we've really gone into yet you, you didn't start that at six no well, I didn't our, our, <laughs> our son's five and a half so I, he's <laughs> right about that right age. now right. no but I, and, and and I I mean and I, I also I really I really appreciate even just the what I hear you saying in that 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 there's not like this right moment Right, that there's not, and that, and that also, if like you look back and you're like, oh, maybe I should have, maybe we should have had that conversation with our kids. Like, it's also not too late. Yeah. You just, you just do it. You just have the conversation. Totally. Um, and you begin the conversation. But I, I, I mean, I, I know from in my experience and in, in our household, it also depends on the kid. Yeah. Right. Like, there's also there's different questions and different sensibilities mm-hmm. and different ways you want to, yeah, d- shepherd that forward to not neglect it, but to be intentional and purposeful as as a parent this is one of the beauties of being a parent right like you don't have to parent all of culture and figure out what all of culture is talking about like you get to to, to parent these individuals well, while at the same time make being aware of culture and being yeah, aware yeah, of the yeah. world and how things are viewed because sort of like what nicole was saying about how when you have the world is going to view when you say when one of our kids says one day as an adult i'm jewish which is true mm-hmm. they are instantly going to attach to that you do not believe in Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's just like something yeah, yeah. that culture is automatically going to assume. Mm-hmm. And there's like a correction that needs to happen. There's mm-hmm. there's some finesse there. Um, and just as how for 
uh, also at the same time, when people look at our our children and think and realize that they're black, that's there's a way in which also in terms of how they're looked at in the world that that's all that they're going to be is black, mm. and that especially when it comes to you know majority culture versus minority culture, the minority culture like subsumes the majority culture in terms of how someone is viewed mm. uh and it's mm. and, and just we've we've had that talk before um uh together even before we had kids okay, actually wait, wait, wait. explain that do, do more than just one sentence sure. okay on, the, so, on that because I, 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 I think i think it's a helpful thought yeah and i think so this is not this is not just a black white thing or anything this yeah, yeah. is so i said that specifically majority culture versus minority culture when a majority culture person marries a minority culture person um, the minority culture sort of, I mean, this is sort of steeped in, there's this thing called the one drop rule, mm -hmm. right? Where it's just like where for black people, when they're, when they were here and enslaved and when they were, uh, had children with, uh, white people, their children were always considered black they, because basically blackness tainted everything. Mm. So that if you had even, I said, even one drop of black blood in you, you're, it's no longer whatever. So there's this sense to which minority culture is viewed as uh all consuming in terms of how one is perceived mm -hmm. um so if you are if a white person marries someone who is chinese and they have a child and that child is half chinese uh, they're they're just chinese because mm. well because look at them mm. that kind of thought mm -hmm. like is what i think most people especially people in majority culture do or if it because one person's black and one person is white and they have a child like oh Oh, well, you're, you're like you just you're always assumed or same thing if half Hispanic, half, whatever it is. And that's an important thing to realize, even though it's not actually true. You are half white and half black. You are half white and half Chinese. You are half white and half um, uh, Mexican, whatever it is. It is important that you're that I think you understand your child how is under the world. Yes. Yeah. That your child understands that is absolutely true. And there's no shame or judgment or mm -hmm. anything that's all that's a good thing but this is how the world is going to see you mm. and that's important for them to know mm. and and some of that is so varied because it depends on what somebody looks like yeah. right i mean we yeah. have a couple of friends who are very light-skinned black people and they have talked about being white passing and how that has affected them and how they feel guilt or shame about it i mean it's it's mm. so complicated and <laughs> yeah. you know even our yeah. three kids all have different skin colors and mm -hmm. so i anticipate that as they get older you know people are going to have different reactions what to are them. you yeah there's gonna be um, a lot of that coming their way and yeah. so you know i think that again it's just being honest and open as much as we can be with our kids about mm -hmm. these things and not kind of shying away from messy or complicated conversations about yeah. them um is one of the ways that we are kind of parsing it out as we go. Totally. Yep. So, okay, so what about ethnicities different than yours? Like how, how do you talk uh, with your kids about ethnicities? That are, you, I mean, I think the majority, or not, maybe not the majority, well, yeah, I mean, I, I think that a lot of people, not to use that word, majority, majority <laughs> I'm using it differently, but uh, a vast majority of the, of, of the people mm -hmm. that are gonna be listening may not self-identify as either black or as Jewish. Right. Um, and our, a very small minority are identifying as half black, half Jewish. Right. Right. <laughs> right. So when you, but when you talk about other 
races and ethnicities. When you when you try to in, um, instill in your children an appreciation, yeah, for the diversity that's beyond them yeah. in the world, for the diversity that God has created in the world. How how do you talk about that, or how how do you do that? What what does that look like? I actually think that it's probably easier for us than it is for a family that's just one race hmm. because of the fact our children have darker skinned aunties mm -hmm. who they see here's a two black women that are my family mm -hmm. they also have two light-skinned white jewish grandparents and they look at them and say that's my family mm -hmm. so from birth you have these two different looking mm. different raced people from the beginning in their lives loving on them and mm -hmm. just they've received and understand that love across different races and it just i think naturally or instantly creates and fosters this sense of oh oh like even amidst this amidst this difference that i can see i'm still being loved and still loving I also think our kids are really fortunate in the school that they go to mm. because they, I mean, literally the like slogan or motto of our kids' elementary school is diversity makes the difference. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and they make a big deal. And, and our kids are, are bilingual. They're learning Spanish. And mm -hmm. so there's a, there's a large um, population of, of Spanish-speaking people in the school and – so they make a big deal about Hispanic Heritage Month. They make a big deal about Black History Month. I actually think a lot of the things our kids have learned about African-American history, mm. they've learned at school at this point. Like in terms of they learned about – our oldest daughter was in a play about Ruby Bridges. Like they've yeah. learned a lot of things at school. And so – and they have friends who come from different races and ethnicities. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of it is they're getting a certain amount of natural exposure. Mm -hmm. Um that may not always be the case, but we've been fortunate that that has been instilled in them early. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I know that's been, I mean, that, that's been our experience and our kids' experience as well with a number of their friends. And I think the school's been a hugely helpful component of that. And I, I also think that all of us sometimes don't know exactly how to, I mean, I mean right, in, in our family, the, I, I am, probably majority German and so is Laura and so our <laughs> our kids are like I mean probably as far as national ethnicity um, really I mean probably vast majority German and in as we've talked about that and talked about you know uh, some of the but it's also not a huge part of our identity though right like our identity is much more American mm -hmm. um American, um, now I'm blanking on the word, <laughs> uh, majority culture, yeah. right? American majority culture is really our culture, culture. right? Yeah, and, and 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 the kind of white American culture in that sense. Mm -hmm. um, but talking about other cultures, I think provides a really unique opportunity to both understand the the history of that in both the the difficult parts. And in the beautiful parts, mm -hmm. right? And in the powerful, um, I mean, I, I think in a fallen world, right, we have all sorts of stories of heroes and villains. <laughs> and understanding that and trying to, to and I, I think one of the things I've done is tried to 
sim- simply have qu- conversations like this mm-hmm. that also al- allows me to say, oh, you know, there's celebrations. There's things that you practice that are important to you that I like I was never taught, never mm-hmm. exposed to. Like, wh- what are those and how do we appreciate them? How do we gain an appreciation for the beautiful diversity in the world. Well, and the um, fact that the church does, that we've done the celebration of cultures, mm. I think is one really cool way that as a church community we've tried I've to do that. I've cooked bratwurst. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, no, and I think, but, but I think that is a way, you know, to kind of, yeah. it's a way to show our kids, like, oh my goodness, look, we have people at our church who come from all of these different countries, or they have background with, from all these different countries, mm. and and here's, I mean, look, food is a Food is a great equalizer. <laughs> like I think yeah, we yeah. all like to eat, you know, and I think that's a way as I well. Think, I think there's this Go sense, ahead. though. There's a sense of that. I'm I'm extrapolating, but I think that or positing this, but I think I'm 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 right. Is that for mm-hmm. a lot of the time, it's for majority culture people people looking at minority cultures and saying, "Oh, wow, you come from here. This is something of you. Oh, how cool for you!" As majority culture sort of stands back. Uh, mm. Sort of removed from it, mm-hmm. uh, which then sadly leads to all sorts of wrong thinking and wrong. I mean, that's part of what white supremacy is. Is this like, is I mean, at its extreme, it leads mm-hmm. to that. But it's just like, white people are different. Like, and white people can only look from afar at other, mm. while they stand over here in the standard, normal, mm. regular kind of thing. And it's just like, th- that's. That's not w- the way in which anyone should be, I think, approaching this. Because I think celebration, celebration culture is a great thing. It's just yeah. like where you're from. Like you get to take part as well. So it's yeah. just like not yay white, not yay American culture, but yay Germany or yeah. yay you know bratwurst or yay whatever yeah. it is. And that's why we have you know St. Patrick's Day parade and what's yay what we have Nebraska and, and my and my you know, you know whatever all yeah. these right. so, yeah you know <laughs> yeah. Like, you But know. I also think it's hard because I think honestly like. A lot of my friends who are white, married to somebody who's white, are struggling with trying to figure out what their role should be in appreciating Hmm. diversity because there is a sense to which they feel like, I don't know how to enter in. And I think people are also really afraid of being accused of, like, cultural appropriation. Appropriation. And so there's a sense of, like, well, gosh, if we decide we want to celebrate Cinco de Mayo – and obviously Cinco de Mayo has a lot of its own issues in terms of how it's celebrated. Yeah. But like, is it is that not for us? You know, and I think that there are some people who would say, you're right, it's not for you. And so I think it's always, I just think we have to have so much grace for each other on this stuff because I think so much of it is where your heart is and where you're coming from. Like if you want to enter into something and understand it and be a part of it and you're coming from it in that way, awesome. Mm. Like, but I think that, that's tricky. So okay, so this 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 point of grace I think is so important and I think is where we, we because I think ha- I guess my question is how do we help our kids not simply buy in to the world's version of multiculturalism, right? That if we can all be in the same schools and we can all be in the same place, like then all the all the prejudice Right, all the the racism, all the discrimination, like it's all just gonna go away if we, you know, if we, when we recognize the fact that that 
the, what's got us into this place, what's gotten us here is, you know, some grace from the Lord and also a lot of fallenness on people's parts. And the way out isn't like a, just a different version of fallenness, hmm. right? Like the way, the way forward isn't just – now, I think the world provides some opportunities that are really helpful in that opportunities for – but how do we not just have the conversation the world's having and have it with a unique hope for unity through the gospel, with a unique appreciation for diversity, for, um, for God's, God's hand in? Uh, the 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 multi giftedness, multi ethnic, multi generation na- generational nature of, of the body and 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 of the gospel at the core of that. Like, uh, what what does that look like? Uh, how do we help our kids to see that as a uniquely gospel centered conversation, not just parroting? I, th- I think it, it, the the first uh, two things that came to mind immediately, and it really w- is it's Revelation five of you know there being every tongue, tribe, people, and nation, and that it's re- meditating on the fact that God's plan uh, for eternity future for the rest mm. of time is for the joining together from all different kinds of people from all over the world, mm. um, all uh, praising God together as as His family. Uh, so thinking about that, and the other is Philippians two of, of thinking of others as more significant than yourself, mm. and that that verse is just really in the past few months, even few years, really has just really hammered home. Like there's, I feel like so often we we view that verse as hyperbole and as something that's like a nice thought, but like no, but because of Jesus, because of the the truth of the gospel, we have the ability to actually do that. Mm. And I think that, you know, true racial harmony and racial, you know, or all these these sorts of topics and things we're talking about, like, and have that look in a way that's different from the world is absolutely steeped in what Christ has done and what Christ has, how what Christ has made us. Um, and that kind of freedom and um, love that can be expressed when we truly, like, actually think of others as more significant than ourselves and and expressing that in a way that is um thoughtful and loving and and intentional um is is the answer i also think that having a biblical understanding of sin Mm. is incredibly helpful Mm. in understanding a lot of the racial tensions and racial history that exists. Mm. And I think that, you know, I have friends who don't believe what we believe. And when their kids are like, why, why did a man kill another man? Mm -hmm. You know, like they don't have a lot of great answers. Like Mm -hmm. it's really hard to answer that question. And they end up basically saying, oh, well, well, they have unsatisfactory. He was a bad man or he, or he had, you know, he's been really hurt or whatever. Like there's, they have answers, but I feel like our the biblical worldview and understanding the idea that we're all fallen, that we're all sinners, gives us a, a context and a way to explain to our kids prejudice and racism that that is, A, it, it makes a lot more sense, and B, there is a, a solution, mm. right, in Jesus. And, and, and so it's, it makes it 
it just gives us a framework that I think makes it easier to talk about some of these things because we don't have to pretend that the bad stuff isn't happening. Yeah. But we also believe that there's hope. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think it's so, so powerful because and, and by that we, we mean that there's not just hope like eternally like God's foot, but there's even hope in this world, right? Mm-hmm. That God is bringing his kingdom to bear and that ultimately, and he's, we're, we're working towards this every tongue, tribe, nation. And so we get to experience it in, in part here. Yeah. yeah. In, 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 in these incredible ways. And it, it, it motivates us, but it motivates us differently. Because I, I also think that when we're shooting for the world's goals, we end up m- mimicking not only their goals, but we end up mimicking the world's attitudes as mm. well. And that's where we end up like not uh, we, we end up completely ungracious, mm. right? Just outraged and just wanting to cancel each other, right? I mean, mm. wa- wanting to just like uh, because there's no grace, and if you s- mess up. Or if you say the wrong, I mean, honestly, there's a part of me that even hesitates to have these conversations in a recorded way that's going to go out because there's things I've said in the last half an hour, like ways (laughs) I've put it. And I'm like, nobody says that, you know, somebody's not going to like that. Um, And 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 in, in part, it's scary. Uh, it's it, it's less scary that this is kind of like a family podcast. Like this is for our our church family, and and and, I, and I'm and I'm trusting and I'm leaning into the fact that that we're we're different because of the gospel, not only in our goals, but that this provides an opportunity for us to move towards that, but to move towards it with grace towards one another, mm-hmm. with forgiveness, uh, developing a, a place for freedom, and and but that 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 grace doesn't mean passivity. And I think that's where you yeah. know there's a false dichotomy there, yeah. right? Grace doesn't mean passivity, but it, it it invites us or it calls us to correct one another, to point one another to truth gently, mm-hmm. graciously, lovingly, but boldly, saying, "Brother, sister in Christ, like you're." you're missing it. Yeah. And this is what God's vision for his church, for our lives, for our hearts. Like, this is what it looks like to consider others more mm-hmm. significant than yourselves. And you know, and, but we're not like, you know, shooting to destroy, mm-hmm. um, which I, I feel like that, like the world in which we're mm-hmm. living in is like shooting to destroy mm-hmm. because it, it, it just doesn't have the, even categories for boldness that's attached to grace. Mm-hmm. And in Christ, we have this, this incredible opportunity. And, and, and so we have an opportunity to, to model that, to teach that to our children, um, to engage with them in that, and, and also to hopefully give them a, a safe place to ask some of those hard questions yeah. as, w- as well. Um, and to... Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's and so I think many it, different examples. And I think it's so important for parents out there, uh, parents in an interracial marriage, parents in a not interracial yeah. marriage, like single parents, and any kind of parents that you're worried about, oh my gosh, my kids, uh, how, will I, how will I handle blank? It's so important that we remember that we need grace mm. as parents. That Because mm. there's this temptation of just like, oh my gosh, here is this precious soul that I have to love and care for and, and steward and raise up in the right way. And you can that can be overwhelming, and it is, and it should be. Mm. Um, but 
it's but for the grace of God that we go, mm. and and it, He's with us, and we're gonna mess up, and we're gonna there's gonna be some ways in which we don't get it quite right, but there's grace, and mm. and that's so desperately important to remember mm. as we navigate uh, difficult topics like this. And I mean, I feel too like I I want to remember that for my parents. Mm. Like there's ways the Lord's redeeming the things that they taught me that were mm. good and the things that they yeah. taught me that weren't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And not demonize them. Yeah. Um, also not just say it's okay. Yeah. And carry it on. But like, but we're, we're freed to do that because of the gospel. Mm -hmm. the, the justice has been satisfied. Mm -hmm. We don't have to try to meet it out in our messy, you know, imperfect way, but we can strive for it, right? Strive for justice, strive for, yeah. uh, in, in, in our, in our lives, in our relationships, in our world. So, so, okay. Um, we can talk about this all day, but <laughs> just as we wrap up, any, any specific or practical resources, particular resources you found helpful in having these conversations with your kids? So I saw this question b before this, and, and I laughed because it's something that, you know, especially right now, people are like, there's all these lists of like all these things that you're so, that, you know, everybody should be, yeah, yeah. should be exposing themselves to or exposing their kids yeah, yeah. to. And I sort of had to like double check myself and be like, are we bad parents? Cause like, we don't have a single book about Harriet Tubman in our house. Mm. Like we, we like, I, I, there's, there's been a lot of things where I'm like, oh gosh, like are, are, have we not, you know, have we not done a good enough job about having resources for our own kids in our, in, in their lives? And then mm. again, I had to be like, you know, here's the thing. My girls have really, really curly biracial hair and when they were little, I bought this book called Penny and the Magic Puffballs, all about this little girl who goes to school and her, her friends who have straight hair who are white are wearing these headbands and she wants to wear a headband. She comes home and her mom's like, oh, well, your hair won't work right like that, but we're going to do these magic puffballs. And they're these like little puffs mm -hmm. and they're so cute. And then she has this amazing day because her puffballs are magic. And it's a great book. And it was so great for my girls to read it at a time when they were kind of seeing that their hair was different from other people's. And, mm. you know, when we were buying, I b we bought them um, these dolls that are basically like American Girl dolls, but they we bought ones that look like each of them that have naturally curly hair that you mm. can style and whatever. And I sought those out because I wanted them to not just have white dolls. I wanted mm. them to have dolls that look like them. And I was talking to a friend about this and she was saying, you know, it's important because I was like, well, I would do that for my girls, but I don't know what I would say to somebody, you know, who doesn't have black or biracial kids. And she was like, well, why wouldn't they have that book? You know, there's 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 books and resources just where the protagonists look different. Mm. Like maybe my kid should have a book where there's a kid in a wheelchair, not because mm -hmm. any of my kids are in a wheelchair, but because, and not the book that's all about the kid being in the wheelchair, totally. right? Yeah. But just that, oh, this kid happens to be in a wheelchair and that's a part of their experience. And I think I've been, that's one of the things I've been thinking a lot about is like, as parents and as librarians and as teachers, like we should have books on our shelves that don't just, it's not just like all the books are, are have white kids and then there's those couple books about black history. <laughs> Right. Yeah, like, yeah. like we I think that that's sort of the, the direction I'm thinking in terms of where I want to go with my mm. kids of. Just making it normal that there are 
protagonists that don't look like my kids in books or mm. in movies that we watch or in, mm. you know, things that we experience or in the dolls or whatever. Um, so that we're just kind of encouraging diversity in ways that aren't don't just have to be about civil rights but can also just be about there's a lot of different people with a lot of different cultures and ethnicities and we want to have excited curiosity to get to know about other people who are different than us and understand their challenges and their triumphs and just make it more about that than it Mm. is about like uh oh I've got to check off all the things on this list and make sure that my kids know this stuff Mm -hmm. you know and not to get pastory but the the best book really is going to be the Bible. <laughs> it really is. Like, yeah, I mean, that sounds like, oh, yeah, oh, pastored, boom. I, I, I don't mean it in that way, but I, what I mean is, at the end of the day, as believers, our job is to progressively grow more and more into the image of Jesus Christ, is to be sanctified, is to grow in our faith. And the way in which that happens is a very real practical boots on the ground kind of thing it's not theoretical it's not uh academic it's uh, you know and it is those things but it's it's everything it's like jesus says take it across daily and follow me that you that you um you know deny yourself like you put it all down you give it all to him and if that's the case then that's going to affect your everything so not that a very well-researched and documented uh, book that talks about these things is bad. Please do not hear me saying that. That's great, but you don't need that. That shouldn't be your your focus or what you're leaning on to get the answer. Like, what's the right answer? I want to make sure I'm doing, like, what is the book that, it's not what that book says. (laughs) That's not the book we're basing what we do on. So Mm -hmm. find a book that works for you. That's cool if you want to go that route. But I feel like the things Nicole was saying was just like, there's just that practical thing of just like, your kids read books, right? Just in general. Uh-huh. Like, maybe have some, make, have a decent number of them be a, with people from, of other races. Mm. Like, that's a very simple way of, of a simple and practical way of viewing others as more significant than yourself. Mm. You, guys, you guys are so great. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, this, this is why I wanted to talk to you. This is exa- I mean, this is exa- because, I, that's, I mean, I think it's, I mean, in one sense, I, I don't even think I realized how I felt the pressure that, like, honestly, like, it's that's relieving to hear. <laughs> like, it, it genuinely is. And and not not because, like, oh, okay, I don't need to do as much. Or I don't, like, mm-hmm. in some ways, what you just said is more work, not less. Like, it's not just like, oh, oh, find this list, you know, jump on Amazon, buy the five books, and then you're done, right? Like, it's, it's an engaged, relational, season by season moment by moment kid by kid process mm-hmm. but what i also hear you saying is like you're you're not a, a a negligent or racist parent if you don't buy all five of these books right. and make sure your kids read them yeah. because right like and and because th- this is a journey this is a, a continuing journey we need to be on we need to be growing and learning and uh discovering and wrestling yeah. and praying and and so and we just need to walk that journey with our kids um, so much more. than And, and, yeah. and pace yourself. Yeah. Like I think, again, yeah. like I think right now a lot of people are realizing that they haven't thought enough about race and ethnicity. Mm. And so they're trying to like catch up. Mm. And, and you're, we're going to burn out if we do that. Like, mm. like I, don't, I don't think that, you know, I think it's important to not – 
be passive. And I think it's important not to, you know, be really passionate about this this week and then next week forget about it. But I do think there's a sense of like, especially with raising children, there are a lot of days and a lot of moments. And, you know, every day and every moment is not going to have to be about these topics it shouldn't be it should be i mean i bring back to the thing i said about sort of the sex conversation right this should just be something that kind of comes up when it comes up and it ebbs and flows sorry i just moved my face away (laughs) from the microphone i don't know how to do this (laughs) um and you know i think it just has to be something that is a part of your life and if it isn't an organic part of your life i think it's important to figure out ways to make it a part of your life but i don't think it shouldn't be a source of like enormous parenting stress. Hmm. Well, thank you guys so much for this. Thanks, thanks for taking the time. I know that uh, I really appreciate it. I'm really encouraged by it, and I know that our church family, most of our church family, is just so blessed to be led in so many different ways by the two of you and by your family. Um, and so, yeah, thanks for taking the time, and thanks for listening. We will see you virtually on Sunday. 